Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. So I'm preaching from the Gospel of John, not the high points, but the low points, the parts that are ordinarily skipped. And the uh, fourth chapter has the story of the woman at the well, which you've all heard many times, and I'm not going to preach that. I'm going to reference it. But I'm going to preach about the, the official who came and pleaded with Jesus about his son. The story really begins right after Jesus has this encounter with the woman at the well. So Jesus and the disciples, rather than going up the Jordan, they went right through Samaria. And the Samaritans were hated people. The Jews couldn't stand them. There was great animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. And um, it was a level of hatred that it's hard to even replicate today. It's, it's almost as bad as Republicans and Democrats, but otherwise. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so Jesus, it's middle of the day. Jesus stops at, at a well. And he watches a lonely figure coming to him, shimmering through the heat. And it's a Samaritan woman. Now the women went early in the morning when it was nice and cool. She came alone. The women went together so they could talk and gossip and everything else in the morning. She was all alone. And here she is, a Samaritan woman. Here is Jesus, a Jewish rabbi. And they're not only not supposed to talk, but Jesus asked her for a drink. Jesus asked her for a drink from her own vessel, which would defile his purity according to Jewish understanding. And she is just amazed. And she goes from that encounter where Jesus recognizes that she has had, well, at last count, five husbands. And the man she was with, she hadn't married. And frankly, who could blame her? And yet Jesus met her with compassion and care. And so overwhelmed was she that she went back to the village and told everyone about this man that she met at the well. And, and all she wanted, all she wanted was someone to know her, someone to understand her, someone to be present with her. And coming off of that encounter, she declared to the people in her town, this must be the savior of the world. No miracles. Jesus didn't, you know, cause her to see or heal deafness or she wasn't limping or anything like that. He just was with her and knew her. And so the whole town comes out based on her testimony. And many of them see Jesus and are amazed at what they've heard. And then they heard him. 
and were amazed at this man. So we pick up the story at that point. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard for ourselves, we've heard from him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown, yet the Galileans welcomed him. For they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum, whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you all never believe in me unless you see miracle at miraculous signs and wonders? But the official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. And Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus this was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. God and his understanding to this hearing of his word. So John, I believe, intentionally sets up a contrast between these two people. The woman of Samaria who had nothing. She had no sense of self. She'd gone through men like Dixie Cups her whole life. And, and she was completely, completely without a sense of, of self. She had simply poured herself out, thinking that life was to be accomplished, had by perhaps in this case men, only to be sorely, horrifically disappointed. She gave herself, she, she gave all she had. And what did she have to show for it? Dejection, no sense of self, no hope, just a sense of utter isolation and perhaps shame. And she, in all likelihood, didn't know what to do with it. She may have had this the sense of what next, where do I go now? How do I get out of this? Is my life really over? I've had five, now I've got number six, and now what? 
And Jesus meets her and treats her with, with utter dignity. And, and what did she really want? She didn't want him to wave a wand and make the man she was with a good guy. Didn't want her, want Jesus to, to make some kind of, do some kind of miracle where she would now understand herself. Somehow Jesus communicated to her simply by being with her, listening to her, communicating care to her. And it was transformative. Here was a man who took her seriously, heard her story, and then in turn told her of her affliction in life, what it was that was really bothering her. She was so overjoyed just by being cared for, just by being loved. She went back home, told everyone, come see this man. Come see this man who told me everything I've ever done, everything I've ever felt, everything I've ever suffered, everything that I... In other words, this man knows me. And here I was all these years, I was afraid to being really found out. I was afraid of being known. He knows me. Come see him. So out they go. They go to see Jesus. And they meet him. They ask him to come to town and he stays with them a couple of days and he, they listen to him. And they come to faith themselves. They come to believe because of what he said. Now the contrast is then set up when Jesus is going back into his home territory around the Lake of Galilee. Cana, where he did his wedding, did this wedding, turn water into wine. And then the, um, the other community, Capernaum, where this government official comes. Now, the Jews have heard about Jesus because of what he was doing down in Jerusalem. He was healing people, making them better. He had also done some pretty radical stuff in the temple by clearing out the money changers, but they'd heard about Jesus as a miracle worker. So this government official comes, this man who has everything. He's got it all. He's running the show in his community. But what he doesn't have is a son who's well, and he's worried sick about his little boy. So he comes with fear. He comes with hope and longing. He comes as one who has everything, really has nothing because of the condition of his son. But he comes to Jesus, not for who Jesus is, but for the miracle. Come and, come and save my boy. Do to him here in Capernaum what you did down in Jerusalem. Come and save my boy. I, I, I want a miracle. I want you to do something for me. Fix the problem. Mitch Album has a, a book that came out a few years ago called Stranger in the Lifeboat. Mitch Album also did Tuesdays with Maury, where you may have heard of him before, but 
But Alvin speaks about this, this, this man after a shipwreck and there are 10 people in the boat and then there's this man who just is in the water and they pull him into the lifeboat with him. They ask him who he is and he says, I'm the Lord. Everyone else is injured, scraped up from the, from the shipwreck. He comes in and he has no marks on him at all. Kind of a plain looking guy, nothing extraordinary about him. But he says that, that he's the Lord. And so as this lifeboat is spending weeks on the water, they look to him and they want him to do something. One after another, they want him to fix it. They want, they want to be saved. But the saving that they want is to make it back home. Album wrote this book in response to he and his wife had adopted a little girl from Haiti who had developed brain cancer. And they went all over the world trying to save this little girl. And after two years, they lost her. And so he wrote this book as a way of trying to understand the nature of God. Now, why doesn't God fix stuff? Why doesn't he do things that, that look like the kind of things that God should do? What kind of God, he asks, would do this, would allow this, would let this go? And so in, a, in an interview, he's speaking about his book and he references whether it's God or the universe. In other words, he hasn't come to resolution at all because God is personal, loving, caring, our Father. The universe is cold and dark and blank. We can't speak of the two as being in any kind of equal status whatsoever. But that is what it looks like and feels like so often. And that is, is God there or is God just as dark and cold and blank as the universe? And how do we, how do we resolve this ourselves when we suffer loss, when hardships come our way? How do we resolve this when we cannot understand how God would allow such a thing as this. Is God any better than a cold, dark universe? For Album, for Mitch Album, it was the Lord who was simply in the boat. And the mere presence of the Lord in the boat is really a profound statement. The mere presence of God with them. But that he didn't do what they wanted him to do is where the conflict comes in. And it's a conflict that we live with to this day. When Jesus does his miracles, those are signs. 
And John here says that the healing of this government official's son was a sign, the second after the turning of water into wine at Cana. So it was a sign. But what is a sign? A sign is not the thing. A sign points beyond itself. A sign indicates something else, signifies. And so the sign that Jesus gave to this man pointed to himself. The Samaritans didn't ask for a sign. The Jews wanted fixed stuff. They wanted sign after sign after sign, but would they ever understand who Jesus was if they didn't look beyond what Jesus did to who he was? Jesus was with them, among them. He was God in their midst. Nobel Prize winning author Elie Wiesel wrote this frightening little book called Night in which he detailed much of his experience as a survivor of the Holocaust. And he tells of one gripping account. And it was that there were three prisoners who were going to be executed, hung from the gallows. And the whole camp was brought out in Auschwitz to watch this execution. And much to everyone's horror, there were two men, and then in the middle, a boy, seven or eight years old, the three of them to be hung at the same time. And the nooses were placed, the platform released, and the rope in the middle kept wiggling because that little boy was not heavy enough for the, for the death to occur. And Elie Wiesel writes about two people standing close by and one saying to the other, where is God? Where is God now? Where is God at a time like this? And the response from someone in the crowd was, there he is, hanging on that gallows. That isn't a resolution. That doesn't resolve. But it tells us that God is with us, that he goes through it with us, he endures with us, he suffers with us. We're not alone in our suffering. He carries us. And he is among us. So this life doesn't bring us nice solutions. We live in a fallen world with rough, tough problems. And that he himself has endured with us very worst of what this life can, can mete out. And so we are not alone. So the Samaritans 
sought the person of Christ. The Jews wanted a sign, but the sign, once they understood, also pointed to the person of Christ. And in it all is the, the harsh reality that Jesus will heal on occasion. We don't know when. We don't know why. There are occasions in which the Lord's hand acts, even perhaps breaking the laws of nature to do so. And we always thank God when he does. And then there are times when he allows the laws of nature to have their way. And for us to live in this world and deal with the hardships and difficulties that we all endure and to then call forth the love of God's people for one another. Somehow in the midst of all of this is the redemptive love of God. The only real resolution to any of this is that there he is in the middle on the gallows. The crucifixion of Christ himself, dying for us that we may live. Will you bow with me in prayer? And dear Father, because we live in this time in between, the time in which we can so clearly, easily see the hardships and difficulties of life, and in which the resolutions seem to avoid us. Lord God, may we see in the midst of it all your hand of comfort, of encouragement, of newness, and yet also, Lord, your hand when it brings us home. And may we trust. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Savior and Lord, who gave his life that we might live. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.